Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. In that familiar portion of Scripture where that great conqueror and leader, we quote it so often, and we should, as for me, And my house, we will serve. You're not ready for what I'm about to tell you. These commentaries believe that Joshua was somewhere around the age of 80 years old. When he said those words. I've been chewing on that all week. It's a decision you just have to keep making. I said it's just a decision. I'm talking about I'm talking about you making it. It's just a decision you just have to keep making. 80 years old. Come on, can I say it like this? One foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. And Joshua is still saying, As for me. You know what? I'm thankful for every young person that makes a commitment. I think their chance of making it's much better the sooner they get the Holy Ghost, the quicker they get plugged in. But I'm telling you, if you're, if you're still here in your sixties, if you've got grandkids on the pew next to you, come on, it's because in your twenty years, in your twenties, you were saying, ask for me. Come on, in your thirties, you were saying, ask for me. I want to know, is there anybody in this house that's still saying, ask for me? all the way to the back is there anybody still saying as for me come on I'm 42 years old come on but if the Lord tarries and I and he gives me more life come on in my 50s I'm still going to be saying in the face of adversity in the face of adversity in the midst of the battle dealing with life in the valley come on I'm still going to be saying as for me as for me So it struck me that apparently it's not good enough for a person to say it once and and then be done. It's a decision that has to be made here now and then stood next to over and over and over and over. I got something to preach and this goes with it, but I'm on this right now. It's crazy at 80 years old, he's still speaking for his family. He's got kids now, and he's got grandkids, and he's got great-grandkids, and he's still speaking for his family. As for me and my house, come on, you can make it. I don't mean this overconfidently in any presumptuous way. Um this that I'm going to preach to you tonight, tonight has possessed me in the last month. I am obsessed with this because I really believe this is the essence of um, one of the great 
essence, if not the great essence of, of living for God. And um, I believe it's one of the, the greater things that the Lord's given me in a long time to, to help. And I want to help because I, I want to see you make it. Hey, I'm all about, I'm all about babies being born. I want to see people grow into everything that God has purpose for them. I'm just thankful to be a part of the great Landmark Church. Are you glad to be a part of Landmark Pentecostal? You're thankful for your leaders? Hallelujah. One of the great blessings of your pastor's life as, as he ages or as he seasons is God has given him younger friends. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's about to not be able to hang on to his 40s anymore, so just hang on to me, brother Calhoun, and I'll just keep letting you know how it feels. Praise God. We're just a few days from a crossing over. Would you fold your hands and have a moment of silence with me right now, please? He's still going strong. And uh, what I, there's a lot of things I love about your pastor, but one of the th- top things is that he's, uh, he's so driven. And by his age, a lot of people, they're, they're done climbing. They're just done climbing. And he's still just climbing up the mountain. And I love that about him. And I appreciate Brother Sister Calhoun and their, and their children. And, um, man, everybody's just getting older. Chanel's turned 18 since I was here last. And we're praying for her lost husband. Praise God. Her dad's praying against me. First Samuel chapter 30. I'm meddling. First Samuel chapter 30. And... We're going to jump around here because you're on your feet. And I'm not going to name any names, but I've seen some people here tonight with really high heels on. And I don't know how you stand up in those, so I'm going to help you be seated where your feet don't hurt. Praise God. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein they slew not any either great or small but carried them away and went on their way and David and his men came to the city and behold it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had, say it with me, no more power to weep. That's a bad place to be. Look at this though. And I promise you I'm going to get back here. I want you to look at five and six. Look, and David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinanam 
the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. That's an interesting verse to just throw in there in the midst of all this. And David was greatly distressed for the souls the people spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. Here it is. Say it with me. But David encouraged in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now I want to read one more verse. Oh God. Look at verse 18. And David recovered all the Amalekites had carried away. Look at that. And David rescued his two wives. Now I knew when it named those two wives in the midst of all of that surveying the losses and the damage. It was the only two things, if you know, that was named specifically. It just, it was generic. Sons, daughters, wives, men's wives. It's the only two things. And I knew, and I mean, it hooked me right there as soon as I read that. I knew, boop, there's something there. And I'd be if I don't read down through here and get to verse 18 and look at that. And David recovered all because that's what God said he would do. He recovered all. I said that's what God said he would do. He recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued. Differentiates. I said it differentiates. Do you love the Bible? Can you tell I love it? And David rescued his two wives. Here's what I want to preach tonight. You going to help me? I got a question for you. Actually, yeah. I want to preach tonight for a little while from this thought. So you want to wear the crown. (laughs) So you want to wear the crown. Anybody here want to wear the crown? Maybe you need to find out what the crown is before I get into this, but I'm going to get into it. So you want to wear the crown. You want to wear it? And I promise you, you want to you want to perk up and pay attention to some of the things I want to say. I want to help you tonight. Can I tell you? This has helped me personally. This preacher will never be the same. There's things that God gives us, and He gives it to us specifically for you. He gave this to me for me, and then He's let me share it with you. You can make it. But I want to put a strong emphasis on you. You. You know who it's left up to? I heard somebody say it. You know who it's left up to? Oh, God's already predetermined it in his mind. He, God's already, he's, God's already come to that conclusion. He believes you can make it. We're convinced. But you know who's going to decide? Not The devil's not even the one that's going to decide. It's up to you. Circumstances? Say it. No, me. Say it. No, not. Me. Say no, me. Trouble? 
No. Say it, me. Take your finger and do like this. What people say? No. Say it, no, me. Me. So you want to wear the crown. I think you ought to put your Bibles down. I haven't been preaching long, but I'm not going to make that promise tonight. So just go ahead and get ready to endure some preaching because I'm, I'm, I feel like preaching on that. Would you just lift your hands and ask God to talk to us here for the next few moments? Come on. I want to help you tonight. Come on, lift your voice and ask God. Help us. Help us tonight, Jesus. Help us tonight, Jesus. Help us tonight, Jesus. Help us tonight, Jesus. If you can believe he's going to do it, would you just clap your hands once more? Come on, just clap your hands. Just Come on, just a good old hearty hand clap of thanksgiving. You can be seated on one condition. You're going to help the preacher preach. Some of you are already sitting down before you heard the conditions, so I got you. Praise God. This man right here is going to help me preach. I think I I think you figured out. You don't even know what I'm about to preach, but I think you figured this out already. I like your spirit. Now, I want you to lean in and give me your minds because I want to make um some I want to make a couple of opening statements um, that I'm going to as I work my way through this, I'm going to reach back to okay, but it's so it's important that you hear me out on this. Obviously, most of us with, uh, well, let me say it like this. You know, there's just those portions of scripture that when somebody says 1 Samuel 17, Psalms 23, Genesis 1, they just immediately, it's just, it's just, it's not, when I say commonplace, I don't mean it tritely. It's just, it's something that we're we're very familiar with. Now, I'm not going to say this is the case for everybody, but I would say for a lot of us that First Samuel 30 is to me, for me at least, me personal that personally that's that's falls in there in one of those I, I would say 20 or 25 top texts that when it when when someone says let's turn to First Samuel 30, I, I know where they're going. That's zigzag. It's just I don't know. It's just automatic. And I would say that it's one of the, the great texts, the great Old Testament texts, if, if you're a narrative preacher, that um, it's just one to lean on. It's good. It's one to go to. It's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's just fitting in a lot of situations. But as I, as I said in the last few weeks, um, time flies. It may be the last couple of months. It has definitely been this year. I have realized that as Scripture builds it, it, line upon line and precept upon precept, um, God put a man in my life early in my ministry. And um, God puts different people in your lives for different things. But this man is a masterful uh, Bible study teacher. And I went with him several times to teach Bible studies and I'm sure I was there as a young evangelist for 
more than one reason, but there was something that happened for me there that kind of stuck. This man had an uncanny ability to to pull the scope, so to speak, of Scripture out. And and really, he had a way of just connecting it all, and it would it would blow my mind. Um, and and we know that you can touch one verse, and there's there's plenty within one verse to speak and to minister. But he had this this uncanny ability to to connect, um, catenate all of these verses, and he he could literally take a chapter and he would he, he would he would exegesis he would flesh it out. Um, a theme or a motif. Then, then he, then he could pull back and he would piece chapters together. And then, and then I watched him actually at times he could pull it back and then he would pull motifs through an entire book. And he was a master at it. And I remember as a 20 year old evangelist sitting, watching him do this. And my eyes were open to the fact uh, of what I would call the building blocks of scripture. And, that one thing builds upon another, but you, you're able to to pull it back, if you will, and look, and there is a bigger picture. And I said that to say this. I think we have so, or at least I have, this is very important to what I'm going to preach tonight. I have been so zoned in when I go to 1 Samuel 30 that I there, there's so much that's, that's, that's there in that chapter that that's one time before now that I haven't pulled it back and looked at it as far as where it fit in the bigger picture or the bigger scheme of things. And that's, that's where this all came from because I realized that Ziglag, while it, 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 while it's a battle and, and God tells him to pursue and you know this and that he would recover all. And he engages in a, a vicious battle with the Amalekites. And he, the Bible says that he takes back all that they took from him and then some. Um, I, I realize, First Lady, that when I pulled this back, I looked that, that while this was a battle, Ziglag was a deal and it was an intense battle with the Amalekites, that Obviously, this was not David's first battle, and it would not be his last. But I started realizing, Pastor, a significance, because that while there is a battle going on in First Samuel chapter 30, there is, when you pull it back, there's a bigger battle going on. Oh, I'm going to preach this right now. When you look at this, when you back it out, there is more going on here than this place called Ziglag that's been given to David. Uh, that David has assumed is kind of a, a place where he is... Uh, invincible, if you will. The Bible says that Saul would not even follow David into Ziglag. And, and, and we get so honed in on this. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. That the battle here becomes that what the Amalekites have done. It becomes about the fires and the smoke and the wives and the children being, uh, carried away. And his men speaking of stoning him. If you really hone this in, it looks like it's the it's the 
cattle. It's the, it's the discouragement of realizing that 400 of his men are not even able to make the trip with him. And, and he goes to battle with, with, with 200. What is that? One third. One third of his men is all that can make the trip with him. But ladies and gentlemen, when you pull this out, you realize, come on, it's not wise to become so consumed with the battle of the Amalekites that you forget that there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger battle. 20 plus years, David has been running for his life. There is, it's been 20, he is 20 something years removed from the time that Samuel tipped over his horn of oil. Come on, he's 20 something years removed from the prophecy that, that, that Samuel spoke over his life. He's 20 something years removed from standing there in the presence of jealous and angry brethren. Come on, he's 20 something years removed from Samuel prophesying to him, there's a day you're going to wear the crown. There's a day that God is going to use you to lead his people. And there's no way of David knowing what I'm about to tell you, Chris. But that's the Bible, I want, I want to see, uh, I don't know who coined it. I'd give them credit if I did. But somebody said we, we, uh, we learn history. And, and the reason that we repeat it is we don't learn from it. There was no way for David to know this bishop. Come on. But I'm telling you, we need to know it as we look at his life. The bigger picture is David is 20-something years in the waiting room for that crown to be pressed on his head. There's no way to know. Come on, David. But 1 Samuel 30 is the last chapter. Come on. That you're going to engage an enemy before they place a crown on your head. I had never pulled it back long enough to look at it this way. 1 Samuel 31 is the last chapter of 1 Samuel. And it's when David receives the news that Saul is dead. 2 Samuel then starts. And it's 2 Samuel that David laments in chapter 1 the death of Saul. But it's 2 Samuel chapter 2 that they come and they put the crown on his head. Somebody needs to understand, come on, that there's always a bigger battle in play. Come on. You need to understand when you're in this battle that there's a bigger picture and you need to understand that what you do today will over, come on, it will affect the overall picture of things in your life. The day-to-day battle will determine your battle for your great destiny. There's a bigger, there's a bigger battle. Wow. Wow. Battle with the Amalekites, the battle with two thirds of his men checking out on him, the battle of everything being burnt off. Hear me now, the battle of his wives and children being carried away. Come on, it's a great battle. The battle, the emotional toll, it's taxing. Come on, it's exhaust, the exhaustion from Ziglag. But you need to understand, come on, there will, there will always be, come on, every, you need to understand there's gonna be that, that last battle. You gotta live every day, come on, with abated breath. You gotta live every day with the understanding that the decisions that I make today may very well be a decision that's going to affect the overall destiny of my life. It's the little battle. 
cross. Come on. That will determine which way that the war will tip. Come on. Before this is all said and done. You got to get it right at Ziglag. Come on. David had no way of knowing it was the last test. But ladies and gentlemen, you and I have to understand. Come on. You want to wear the crown? Then there's some things at Ziglag that God's going to test you with. And you got to make sure you get it right. Ziglag is the last test. It's the last battle before the bigger battle. I said it's the last battle before the bigger before the bigger battle is finalized and determined. And oftentimes it's what we do in the little battles that determine the outcome of the big battle. And David, I know, I know you've, you've had your opportunities. And I know you could come close at one point letting your men talk you in to taking Saul. I get that. I know you were smote when you cut the corner of his garment. You dodged a bullet there. I know if it had not been for the interception and the pleading of Abigail that right there at the end, you were close there too. Nabal was a fool and you almost took matters into your own hands over something so silly and so stupid. But you dodged that. Come on, there's no way, no way for David to know, Jonathan, that Ziglag is the last test before the, before he feels the weight of that crown, a 20 plus year promise. Come on. And it finally comes to fruition. Come on, Ziglag. You hear what I'm telling you? Ziglag, it's one more thing that God's gotta know. It's one more thing that God needs to know. Ziglag is a test. It's one more thing that God's got to see. You say, what is it? What is it, Brother Marks? Come on. I believe that last battle, that last test. Come on. You want to wear the crown? God has to see whether or not you are able to recover yourself. Come on. Do you know how to bounce back? Do you know how to get back on your feet? Do you know how to encourage yourself in the Lord? Hallelujah. So you want to be a king? So you want to see God's promises fulfilled? So you want to wear the weight and the glory of the crown? Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this. Come on. You better adopt a mantra that I adopted a long time ago. I'm one or two things. I'm either up or I'm getting up. God's got to know. Do you know how to bounce back? God's got to know. Do you know how to get back on your feet? God's got to know. Do you know how to Encourage yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. The crown. The crown that comes in 2 Samuel chapter 2. Ziglag is the last test. The crown. I was shocked. I'll be glad to show it to you if you need to see it. After church, sometimes you just need to proof or Google it yourself. I thought I knew in my mind, and I was, for the most part, right, but what a crown is figurative of. A crown is figurative of authority. I said it's figurative of authority. I said a crown is figurative of authority. So you want to, so you want to wear a crown. 
figurative of authority. A crown. And I'll probably come back and touch on this, but to us New Testament believers, there's a lot of other things that should come to mind when we're thinking of crowns. And it's not just about reigning in spiritual dimensions and having authority, but come on, I got another crown on my mind too. And that's that, it's that crown of righteousness. And so what I want to tell you, and I don't want to get the cart in front of the horse, what you do at Ziglag and what God sees you do at Ziglag, come on, not only tells God whether whether or not you're ready to wear the crown, but I'm telling you, whether a man knows how to recover himself probably will determine whether or not he's saved. So you want to wear the crown? 20 years of test. But the last battle is God wants to see. David, do you know? Do you know how to recover yourself? I'm remembering that old portion of scripture. Come on, it's old, but it's still powerful. And it ought to be committed to memory. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. Come on. I believe if you're going to be successful spiritually, you better have a backup plan. Because all of us fall. But my backup plan is this. I'm not planning on falling. But if I fall, I want the enemy to know, don't get happy, baby. Come on. Rejoice not against me. Come on. I may have fallen, but I'm going to get back up again. Everybody falls. But ladies and gentlemen, destinies are determined not by how many times that you fall, but destinies are determined. Come on, does a man know how to get back up? Does a man know how to, does a man know how to brush himself off? Does a man know? And then, a crown's a type of authority. A crown is a type of power and position. A crown is a type of victory. So you want authority. So you want victory. I know you all wanted all these things, but you ain't going to dare say you want them now. We want them, but we don't want to talk about the responsibilities. We don't want to talk about the steps. We just want to just, just give them to it. That's not the way it works. You want victory? There's some things God expects out of you before God can give you victory. Anybody, come on, there ain't a person in this place if you're honest. Come on, I'd like to be sitting up on that throne like a flat, like a fat cat with that crown on top of my head, calling the shots, living, come on, living in fulfillment, living in the promises. Come on, let me get out in there and growl on that lower octave so you'll get with me. Living in the prophecies that God's given me. Who doesn't want to wear the crown? Come on. But ladies and gentlemen, the ones that wear the crown in 2 Samuel chapter 2 are the ones that figure out how to navigate the trouble of 1 Samuel chapter 30. Do you know how to get up? Do you know how to get up? It's a type of authority. It's a type of victory. It's a, Brother Calvin, I was shocked, but it makes sense. I looked this up this afternoon studying. You ready for what I'm about to tell you? A crown is a type, you ready? It's a type of legitimacy. I'd never stop to think of it like that. I thought, well, that's, 
That's in one place. So I started looking at it. I said, whoop, nope, whoop, nope, whoop, nope. He started showing up everywhere I started looking. It's legitimacy. When they place that crown on your head, everybody knows. Everybody knows that lineage is not in question. <laughs> Whose son you are. Oh, God. Whose daughter you are. You're not going to help me preach right now. Where you came from and where you're going. God, I feel this right now. It's no longer in question. When they press that crown on your head. Come on. All of the juries are dismissed. All of the questions are off. Chris, once that crown is placed on a man's head, everybody knows he is who they said he was. He is a son. She is a daughter. Come on. They do come from the royal line. Ladies and gentlemen, if I never get the authority, come on, if I'm never in the position of power, come on, I want legitimacy. I want the devil to know I am a son of God. I want the devil to know I am a child of God. Come on, anybody else here want that legitimacy? Clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. I can't hear you. Clap your hands and give him a shout of praise. So David, apparently, 20 years of test. Somebody please tell me I'm making sense right now. 20 years of test. You get around brothers that are jealous. You get around people who question you. You sidestep. People who early on question your legitimacy. There were people, come on, that didn't think David would make it. There were people, come on, do you understand me? Everybody loves David. But I'm telling you, David's, David didn't start off. Come on. His life was not a cakewalk. Come on. I don't have time to preach about it, but there's a lot of scandal. Come on. There's a lot of conspiracy that swirls around the birth of David and his mother and how all that happened. Hear me right now. He had odds stacked against him. Come on. His legitimacy was in question. Come on. Come on. It was up in the air. Will he or will he not? <laughs> Hear what I'm telling you. Will he or will he not? And so he, he manages to get around whatever was going on with his dad. Whether his dad was ashamed of him. Whether his dad was hiding for good reasons or bad reasons. All I know. Maybe he was hiding from the right reasons. But I've just put myself, I've slid my feet into the sandals of David. And when I walk in there, when the servant gets to me, and the servant tells me that Samuel's come to sacrifice and anoint the next king of Israel. <laughs> Look, get that off her. <laughs> Let that baby see. God have mercy. He's trying to see her, Uncle Cody. That's all them hair bows are good for. Squeezes her brains out and she can't see the preacher. Praise God. I'm just telling you how it had to make him feel. 
I've preached it. And, I, and, I, and there's times I believe that maybe David had him hit a re- or Jesse had him hit away for the right reasons. But at the end of the day, you've got to ask yourself, that would cause David to question his legitimacy. Who's at dad's house? Samuel. What's he doing? He's called all your brothers in. Now, whether Jesse's reasons were good or bad, whether he's hiding him for good or hiding him for the wrong reasons, whether he was hiding him trying to save him or hiding him out of shame, I'm just telling you how it had to feel to David. It had to feel to David that his own dad was questioning his legitimacy. Because Samuel asked for all of the sons. Well, I'm going to preach this. I am going to wear this out tonight. And to walk in there and realize that Samuel's already gone down the line multiple times and God shook him off. No, 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 no. And he manages to navigate that. He manages to wind his way around that whole situation in 1 Samuel 17 where those same brethren again questioning his legitimacy I'm preaching stuff to you right now that's so good I've never preached in my life but some of this this is hitting home with you it's the constant prodding and poking it's the things in your life that's constantly trying to question you we know the naughtiness of your heart why aren't you tending those few sheep that daddy's co- and it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with his dad. It doesn't stop with his brothers. Now it's Saul. Come on. And, 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 and if Saul, if Saul's not enough, the leader of Israel, come on, questioning him. Here, take my armor. And, and I, and I see Saul. Come on. I, I don't believe that little meeting in that tent that day. Come on. Could have made David feel good about himself. Come on. But he, man, he manages. Come on. He manages to negotiate that. And then Goliath questions his little, Who is this? Shepherd. Boy. And he wins his way through that. He wins his way around javelins. He lives on the run like a vagabond. And he dodges javelins and attempts after attempts. After ten on his life. But God says, and again, there's no way David knows. But that's no excuse for us now. We gotta read these stories and we, we can't just learn history. We gotta learn from it. David, there's one more thing I've gotta know. One more thing that I've gotta There's one more thing. Well, I wish I'd have got me a crown. I'd carry it around and put it on your head tonight. So you want to wear it? One more thing before you can finally be crowned with legitimacy. I believe a man's sonship. I believe. I believe the lineage, who you say you are. I believe it's verified. Does anybody feel what I'm feeling right now? 
You can say who you say. You, I'm, I'm, that's this and I got this and this and I've got the Holy Ghost and I've been baptized in Jesus name. You know when the crown of legitimacy, you know when the authority, you know when you become a victor. Come on, your legitimacy. Let me tell you, let me tell you the litmus test for legitimate legitimacy. It's this. Come on, what do you do when you're down? What do you do when you're flat of your back? Come on, what do you do when the world's stomping on top of you? Come on, you want to prove to the devil you are who you, you say you got the Holy Ghost, what do you do when you're down? I tell you what I do when I'm down. Come on, I'm finding a way to get back up. Come on, that's who wears the crown. That's who's victorious. That's who has legitimacy. That's Wouldn't you believe? Wouldn't you believe with me? For God to deem a man righteous? Are you in agreement with me? That's legit. Somebody say, that's legit. For God, our righteousness is as filthy rags, sis. And for God to say, that's a righteous lady. Don't you agree with me? That's God's sin. That's a righteous lady. Whoa! He said, a righteous man. Falleth seven times. The legitimacy of a young man hunter is not determined by how many times he falls. Do you know how to get up? Do you know how to recover yourself? I'm thankful for every card I've gotten. I'm thankful for every phone call I've gotten. Come on. And I don't have a sad story. But I'm trying to tell you, if I have any legitimacy in my life, I'm going to tell you what's made me legitimate. I'm going to tell you what's put me in a place of authority. If I have any authority, I'm going to give it to you right now. Listen to me right now. If you're dependent on somebody to come by and scratch your back, if somebody has to send you a card every week, come on, to keep you faithful to the church. Come on, we're willing to make the calls. Here, listen, but there comes a point. Come on, there comes a, there comes a point. Come on, that you have to put away childish things. Come on, I don't need somebody always up in my face. I don't need somebody putting a sucker in my mouth all the time. Come on. I don't need you to give me a Chick-fil-A gift card. Come on. To get me to, 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 to come to church two times this month. No. Come on. If you're going to wear the crown. If you're going to be legitimate. Come on. You can't be the type of person that needs others to pick you up all the time. Come on. If you wait around on somebody to pick you up. You're going to die down. Come on. you got to know how to pick yourself up. you got to know how to pray yourself through. you got to know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to sound like a freak. I'm just trying to tell you. Well, if Brother Marks had come by and lay his hands on me, if Pastor had come and talk in tongues over me, no, I'm telling you, you got to learn to lay your hands on yourself. you got to learn to pray yourself through. You can be seated. Hold on. Don't check out on me. Lord. Lord have mercy. That's just 45 minutes. Since I got a few more minutes, don't I? way I see it, I'm like Verizon. I get them rollover minutes from this morning. Praise God. What you laughing about? So, I'm going to make a statement right. you got to preach in tweetable phrases or people don't listen to you anymore. 
I don't have a quitter account or flitter oh Twitter account. But I do want people to listen to me, so as you're itemizing things that this is taken out of you. If you take notes, get this, listen to it later. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down somewhere later. As you're itemizing, don't forget that itemization starts with I. Don't forget that items start with. Sometimes we're so guilty, Chris, that all we see is the stuff that's missing. And we forget that before David ever got his stuff back, he had to first know how to recover himself. And God was not concerned about whether or not David knew how to get his stuff back. He had proven himself a warrior. But God had to know, David, do you know how to get yourself back? And some people live their whole lives. Come on. Do you know this this living for God is a dance? And God never intended for it to be something you do with two left feet. It's supposed to be graceful. It's supposed to be something that's so beautiful that when other people look at your walk with God, they want what you have. But too many people's walk with God is dysfunctional. It's, 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 two, it's two left feet. And you know why? It's not because it, everybody has zigzags. Everybody has battles. Everybody deals with stuff. Life happens to all of us. Life happens to all of us. When you see somebody's dance that's graceful. Come on. I'm telling you, you are, we are greatly mistaken when you look at people in this church. You look at this guy right here and he's always got a smile on his face. Come on. I don't see how a big guy like that floats the way he floats, but the Holy Ghost gets on him and it looks like he's just floating above the ground. Come on. It's not because he doesn't have any battles. It's not because he doesn't have any problems. Come on. You got to get up. You got to get off being hung up on. Well, I got to get my stuff back. What good is your stuff if there's no self you can be seated remember item item starts with I and as you're going down through there listing things don't forget if God gives you the years back but there's no you I don't have time to preach this, but I'm telling you, I could take four nights and couldn't preach this. That's how much stuff this here. This goes back to your favorite portions of Scripture in Joel. Let me get down there in that lower octave again. Here, I'll restore unto you the years of the canker worm. Come on, go ahead and shout. You know you want to. Well, you start talking about the restoration of years, and people bite the, bite the ceiling tiles and climb the walls. But he takes about seven or eight verses before he ever gets to the years. And he says, you don't be afraid. You. He gave Job back twice what he had. He gave him double. Somebody said double for his trouble. Huh? But you go read the book of Job. Before he gave him double stuff back, Job had to recover himself. You want to wear the crown? You want legitimacy? You want authority? Come on, you New Testament believers, I'll add another one. You want to be saved? I think this is important. I don't even, I don't, oh God, I don't think this only determines a person's 
destiny as far as their purpose on earth. I think what I'm preaching is so important. This literally not, it, it is not just the determining factor of whether or not you will be anointed and fulfill your purpose. This will determine where you spend eternity. Zigzag happens to everybody. But unfortunately, encouraging yourself in the Lord doesn't happen to everybody. I'm going to take the last 10 minutes and fix and start. I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest things God's ever given me. I'm going to make it simple, but I'm going to show you something. One of the, I feel like one of the most powerful things God's ever shown me of what that looks like. Anybody like to know what that looks like to encourage yourself in the Lord? Okay, I'm going to show you before we leave. But I got to tell you this. The, the two things, there were other wives, there were other children. There were other people's wives, there were other people's children. Your pastor, he's a a student of Scripture. He'll tell you that I'm not making a bigger deal out of this than what it is. When it when it names something specific like this, you better stop and look at it. And I wasn't shocked, Chris, when I looked at a Hinnaham and Abigail. I already knew what Abigail meant, but I didn't know what a Hinnaham meant. Do you know these two names deal with peace and joy? You said it. What did verse 18 say? It says, and they recovered all that the Amalekites had taken away. And David rescued his two wives. Do you know that your peace and joy? Too many people's peace and joy. Do you understand that's two-thirds of your Holy Ghost? Do you know who's responsible for your peace and joy? Look in the mirror, honey. You don't have peace? You know whose fault that is? Go get it. You don't have joy? You know whose fault that is? That's why he differentiates in verse 18. They recovered all that the Amalekites, God, you're not going, you're not hearing me right now. They recovered all that the Amalekites took away. Come on. But let me tell you something the Amalekites can't take away. The Amalekites, the Amalekites are not in control of joy and peace. Come on. I'm in control of joy and peace. Come on. I will, I am the one that determines whether or not I will have joy and peace in my life. God have mercy. Come on. Scholars say that it wasn't the best days of David when he penned the Psalms. Psalms. Come on. Scholars say it wasn't a mountaintop in David's life that was an inspiration behind the psalm. It says it was some of the darkest days of his life when he penned the words. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. You're not hearing me. I will get some more joy. I will get a restoration of joy. God made the day I'm responsible for how the day turns out joy and peace do you know what let me tell you something Chris if we never get the stuff back I can tell you I got the Holy Ghost at five and a half I can tell you, 42 years old, all of that stuff that you 
Come on again. I got to get down there on that Lord. The years at the canker worm and the palmer worm. Brother Marks doesn't believe in revival. I do. But you listen to me. We have become so obsessed with the stuff. You don't want the stuff if you don't have the joy and peace. And if placed, some of you, I need some of you older people to help me. I didn't say you as old, just older people. Come on, help these young people understand that the joy is not getting themselves so far in debt with toys and stuff and materialistic things. Come on, at the end of the day, if you don't have five cars sitting in your driveway, are you listening to me right now? If you don't have two or three houses, and are you hearing? Is anybody going to help me right now? If God provides and you're able to do that, great. But I need some people right now to help this preacher preach. At the end of the day, it's not about stuff. At the end of the day, if I've got my joy and I've got my peace... You know when legitimacy comes? Do you hear what I'm preaching right now, young man? Do you hear what I'm preaching? Come on, I believe this man lives what I'm preaching. Come on, you want you want authority? Come on, you want legitimacy? Come on, God's got to see from you. Come on, I'm not going to let a situation, I'm not going to let something somebody did to me take my joy and peace. I've got to have my joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on, that peace, come on, i got to have it because it surpasses all understanding. You're still not feeling too good, are you, Chris? I'm going to pray for you. I ain't going to pick on you, but I'm going to pray for you. God, right now, regulate whatever's going on in this man's body. I mean, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take authority whatever's going on physically, but we bring into captivity every thought. No fear, no worry. Come on. I said no fear, no worry. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If it's sugar, regulate yourself right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I want this man to feel better by the time I get through preaching. Come on, I want strength to flow into this body. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Alright. Okay. You got off the hook because you don't feel good. So I'm going to pick on Hunter. Hunter's wife should say amen right now. All right. Come here, Hunter, and bring a chair. I'm going to do it right here where everybody can see. Bring a chair. You don't follow instructions very good. I didn't say Brother Calhoun bring a chair. I said Hunter bring a chair. Some people, preachers, got to do everything for them. I want him up here where people see him. Oh, okay. Now get up here in the chair. Sit in the chair. All right, you can be seated. Ten more minutes. I'm going to show you what it looks like to encourage yourself in the Lord. Because I'm telling you, this is the deciding. This will deem. This will determine. So you want to wear a crown. I believe God was waiting 20 years. God was waiting. David, you got through all of those deals. But there's one more thing I got to know. Do you know how to get up? I was weeping, weeping a couple days ago when it dawned on me again. You tell me if Joseph did not live out the dream. Pits, 
false accusations, Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife, prisons. Which one forgot him, the baker or the butler? The baker? <laughs> well, they both, yeah. You got, what did it say? What did Joseph say in the dream? He said, my sheaf was upright. And I realized, again, legitimacy. Whether or not your dreams, the destiny of your dreams is determined as to whether or not somehow your sheaf can always find its way back to upright. Joseph always bounced back. I think that's the responsibility of a dreamer. God fulfills the dream, but the responsibility of a, of a dreamer is to get back up. You can't be upright and lay flat on your back. Do you know how to recover yourself? Man, I won't say that. I, won't, I don't know. No, I'm going to say it. There have been two critical times. There's been a lot of deals, but I'm talking about two life or death times in my ministry. Man, I, I, I'm, I'll just do it because I want to help somebody. I needed, I, I needed a phone call so bad. One time, one of the two times was so, it was so dark that the fact that my phone would not ring was, was what almost finished me off. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood. Preaching has the power. I know. It, 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 it picks things up. The five-fold ministry. God will give somebody a word. I've gotten words. You've gotten words. But the two most critical crossroads in my personal life I recovered from, and it wasn't because somebody sent me a word. Can you relate to that? You've had words. The most, the most critical places, this one time, literally the fact that I couldn't get a phone call was the thing that almost pushed my nose under the water. And I'll tell you what I told God because I want to help you so bad. I got so bad, I told God, you mean all the people that I prophesy, have prophesied to, all the pastors and all the churches, I was, I was ticked. And you can't put it on, you can't put it on one person's heart to pick up the phone and call me? I was within a window of about two weeks Went to a meeting, and the purpose I went to that meeting is, is for somebody to speak to me. I was 28 years old. I, I, I was one of the first ones in the altar and one of the last ones to leave. And, Chris, I went that whole meeting, and not one person prayed for me. I've had people pray for me. I've, I don't want to say, 
I don't want to discourage you, but there's been times I've gotten so many words from the time I stepped off the platform till I got in the car, I was confused what God was doing. I got in the car one night after me, and I told my wife, I said, my God, I didn't know God had so many wheels. It was like when I needed it the most, I couldn't get it. Hunter, God let that happen. And I went back to my hotel that night, and I said, you mean I can't get one word? And I realized the places I wanted to go, the legitimacy I wanted, the authority that I wanted, the crown that I wanted to wear, that I was in. Oh, everybody wants, you can't leapfrog to second, second Samuel chapter 12. You're not going to hear the news that your nemesis is no more in first Samuel chapter 31 until you think God, you think God's going to remove the nemesis in 31 if he can't see that you know how to recover yourself in verse 30 or chapter 30. You think that would do you any good for God to take care of it when you're not willing to get a hold of your own self by the bootstraps and pull yourself up? I knew at 28, 28 years old, I knew. Boy, the Holy Ghost is helping. He's helping some people right now. And I jerked myself up. And I got up the next day and I had a different outlook. And it wasn't because somebody called me. It's because I made a decision. I'm not staying down. 48 hours later, I got a call. And it was the most powerful prophecy that's ever been given to me in my life. You think that's an accident? No. God said, all right, now you've got legitimacy. I was waiting. Now I know. I was waiting to see. If you were willing to pick yourself up. Brother, hey, when it happens, Brother Calhoun's not there. It's not going to happen on Sunday night. All right, here we go. I just took about six minutes of my ten. So I looked this up. First Samuel 30. Y'all still with me? I'm, I'm not long. I'm, I'm really, I'm not long. Look. Okay. The word is, I'm not going to try to pronounce the Hebrew word. It's, it's spelled C-H-A-Z-A-Q. Now, I'm going to make this real simple, okay? Let me tell you about the Hebrew language. It's one, it's, it's visual. It's all about visualization. I, I actually know a man, a pastor. He knows him too. Right now, that is, he, and he, he will do it. He's, he's in school. He's learning Hebrew right now. His name's Tom Dehod. We were just talking about this. The Hebrew language is one of the hardest languages to learn. And it's because there's so much symbolism and one one Hebrew word it, it, it's supposed to to conjure it's the, the visuals it's it, there's it's it's just a visual language. So oftentimes when a Hebrew word is translated in English, what it's trying to say we get it, but we don't get the full scope of it. 
Okay. Here's one of the best ways to get the full scope of a Hebrew word. I learned this in a, in a class. It's a, it's a powerful tool, okay? It's called an English, the Englishman's concordance. And, and here's, here's, here's how this works. Actually, there's, there's a couple different ways that you can use it. The King, King James has a way you can do it too, the, the King James concordance. But you, you, what, what this concordance will do is you take that, that Hebrew word has a number, okay? That Hebrew word I just spelled for you, C-H-A-Z-A-Q. It's not difficult. It's real easy, okay? It comes with a number. The number's 2388, okay? You push in that into the concordance, and what will happen is everywhere where that Hebrew word is used, in the Old Testament, it will show you how it's translated in English in the other places. Now, what this professor said, he said, for you to get a pretty good scope of what the Hebrew word is trying to drive at, he said, you need to go look at everywhere where that word is translated in English. Look at all the English words, and he said, that'll start to begin to give you a picture of what God's trying to say. It's easy, okay? So I went and looked up this word. In English, it's translated encouraged himself. In Hebrew, it's the C-H-A-Z-A-Q. This Hebrew word's used 48 times. It's used 48 times. It's used 309 times, actually. It's used 309 times. 48 times, it's translated in English strong. Encourage himself in the Lord. 48 times, the Hebrew word that's Right there is translated. Somebody say strong. Now, I've slowed down, but don't miss this. Strong. Somebody say strong. Hebrew words used 309 times, 48 times, it's strong. 35 times it's translated to seize or to take a hold of. I want you to get a visual. All right? He's preparing himself. We deal with ourselves too gently. You're not going to help me right now. You said you want to know what encouraging yourself in the Lord looked like, and I'm going to try to show you. You still with me? Oh, you know what? You, you deserve a night off. You know, you've been through a lot. This is how we talk to ourselves. Now, funny thing is, we don't, ju- we don't deal with other people that way. Uh-oh. I'm going to kill it now. If, if we just, if we just expected out of ourselves what we expect. If you expected out, well, I didn't feel good or I didn't. No, well, you, you expect people to still treat you right when, when they don't feel good. No, we, we handle other people harshly, but we handle ourselves with kids' gloves. You know, nobody understands what you're going through. Poor little man. You had it real bad, you know, you, no, no. When a man encourages himself in the Lord, it's to take a hold of something, to seize it. And it's not to seize it softly. It's to seize it with strength. It's to jerk something up. You're not hearing me yet. 
Sit back down. I'm going to show you. If you are really serious about encouraging yourself in the Lord, I'm trying to show you what David did. Come on. It's pulling the kids' gloves off. When you get serious, I'm still talking about wanting to wear a crown. I'm talking about getting back on your feet. I'm talking about recovering yourselves. 49 to 48 times, it's strong. 35 times, it's to take a hold of something and to jerk it. If you're serious about recovering yourself, you got to quit being so soft with your feelings. You got to quit dealing with yourself with kids gloves and say, I can stay down, but I ain't staying down. I can be sad, but I ain't going to be sad. I can be depressed, but I'm not going to be depressed. I choose joy. I choose peace. I choose victory. I choose. Go, go ahead. Come on, sow some seed. We'll pay this building off. Go ahead. You want to wear the crown? You want legitimacy. You want fulfilled promises. Come on. You want, you want that lower range down there. I'll restore unto you the years that the canker worm and the palm. I want it too, ladies and gentlemen. But let me tell you something right now. You're never going to get the years if you don't know how to get a hold of you. You got to jerk yourself up by the bootstraps. I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to live under the weather. I'm not going to be the witch of Endor. I'm not going to be Scrooge. Somebody shout strong. Shout jerk up. Seize. Take a hold. God can't give you a crown. God can't give you legitimacy. You ready? Uh Uh-oh. Here's some more tweetable stuff. Ready? You know why he can't give you legitimacy? Because of the leniency you keep dealing with yourself with. We give ourselves way too many passes. Come on, cross your arms. Pout a little bit. Does he know how to pout, sis? Chris, does he know how to pout? Okay, thanks. Salk a little bit. Come on. You want to wear a crown, huh? You want to wear 100? You want legitimacy? You want authority? You want fulfilled promises? And quit giving so much room to this flesh. If God's going to trust you with a crown on your head, you can't have days. Well, I just thought that was normal. No, he gave you the Holy Ghost. Do you, no, listen to me. Do you know he, he didn't give you the Holy Ghost for you to have a little pin on your lapel and shove your f- proud, proverbial thumbs in your lapel and I'm more holy than somebody else or I'm saved in your law? God gave you the Holy You know why he gave you the Holy Ghost? He gave you the Holy Ghost so you could get a hold of yourself. Come on. We're saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Is that all right? Please tell me this doesn't sound pastoral. It scares me. That's why I don't like slowing down. I'm afraid it's pastoral. I've been running from that for 24 years. Can't run fast as I used to. 48 times strong. 35 times to seize, to jerk up, to take a hold of. 39 times out of the 309. 
that Hebrew word incur, that's, that's translated encourage himself, 39 times is translated repaired. 28 times it's translated strengthened. I'm trying to show you what it looks like to encourage yourself in the Lord. Nine times it's to take. Eight times it's translated something that's caught. Again, it's that jerking motion. This, this is the one that moved me. Eight times that Hebrew word that's translated encourage himself. You'll find it eight more times in the Old Testament and it's translated. You ready? Courage. You know why? Because it takes courage. Anybody can take something. Anybody can pop a pill. Anybody can listen to Dr. Jabber on that, by the way, you're paying or your insurance is paying out the nose. You got this. and the, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I got. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a new philosophy. If you can't pronounce it or pronounce the doctor's name, you need to quit claiming it. You got what? It's like I need somebody to translate a tongues. Oh, and it's always rare. It's always something that it's being studied. Nobody. No, it takes courage. David, I know you got the courage. I know you got this courage to smite the Amalekites. But do you have the courage to smite yourself? I'm trying to smile to make this go down a little easier. Some of you kind of look at me like I'm being rough. I'm not trying to be rough. I'm just, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. And when I realized this is the last standing thing, between no more nemesis, Saul, and a crown on my head. Huh? It's the last thing God wants to see. Because it's really all that matters. Eight times it's translated prevailed. Eight times it's repair. Six times it's stronger. Five times it's encouraged. That's where ours comes from. Look at this, and I'm almost done. I really am almost done. One time it's uh one time it's translated um one time it's translated maintain. Folks, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. This is simple though. He said, You look at all the places that it's translated, it'll help you get a scope of what the Hebrew word's trying to I'm gonna tell you something about a person who encourages himself in the Lord. It's not something you do you're not it's not one and done. You better, you better know how to do it. Hey, well, I had to pull myself up yesterday. In case you're wondering, I'm having fun. Chris, you're wanting to help me, aren't you? This is mine. <laughs> I love this guy. Huh? Well, I did that two weeks ago. Well, no. If, if, if you're going to wear the crown, maintenance is monotonous. That's why a righteous man, he said a righteous man. How many times? Oh, he's, he's not speaking literally. It's figurative. You get, no, hey, how many times did you do As many times as it took. And I've been in some seasons in my life where I felt like I was doing it multiple times, multiple times a day. Because it's maintenance. Because I'm going to wear a crown. I'm going to be legitimate. 
I'm going to have authority. I'm going to see the promises of God. I'm going to see the restoration of the years. My nemesis is going to be no more. God's prophecies over my life. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let my doubt and my depression and my refusal to get up keep me from receiving what God has. One more. I was shocked. I didn't even know this word was in the Bible. It's the same Hebrew word. 309 times. I gave them to you. 48 times strong. 47 times repair, repaired. 35 times to jerk, seize, hold. 8 times courage. 8 times prevail. 1 times maintain. Two more times it shows up. And I didn't even know this word was in the Bible. But it's the same Hebrew word that's translated encourage himself in the Lord. You ready? It's going to go right with maintenance. Ready? Caulkers. Caulkers. You're impressed, aren't you? Oh, yeah, that's all right. What in the world do you mean? I'm glad you asked. I'm fixed to you. Caulkers. It's in the book of Ezekiel. You know what a caulker is? It's mentioned with the builders. It's the same Hebrew word. I'm not joking. Caulkers. You know what the purpose of the caulker was? Once the boat. Hilamoshaka. Once the boat was built, once the house was finished, the job of the caulker was to come in and to seal the gaps. A boat, the, the caulker was so important to the future of the boat, to the goods and the merchandise, the people that it would carry, the, the job of the caulker. You Come on, I don't care how good the construction of the boat was. Come on, it was the caulker that come in and he would seal the gaps. Come on, he would, he would seal the seams of the boat and it would keep the boat from taking on water. The caulkers would do the house. The caulker would do the boat. It kept the water from coming in. The caulkers would do the house. It would keep things from the outside. The breeze, the wind, the dust, the pest. Come to the keyboard. Just the keyboard. I'm, 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 I'm almost finished. The water, the earth covered what? 70-something percent of water, right? Guess what? You ready? It doesn't matter if it's not in your boat. Seventy-something percent of the earth is covered with water. Guess what? That's a lot of water. But it doesn't matter if it's not in your boat. And so I've found, and I know this doesn't sound super spiritual, but I've found that much of living for God, I have a ladle in one hand and a caulk gun in the other. And I'm dipping out. And I'm sealing up. You know what encouraging yourself in the Lord looks like? It's I don't want water to come in that hole again. You want to wear a crown? Then you need to figure out the thing that keeps tripping you. Find out where your boat's taking on water. Dip the water out that it's taking on. And seal that joker up. Encourage himself in the Lord.
I'm, all, I'm probably going to find myself down again. But encouraging yourself in the Lord is learning. That is not going to get me down.